0: Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Shane Tenney. Whoa. You guys sounded good tonight. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Revelation 12. We'll be in verse we'll start in verse 7. Revelation 12. We'll start in verse 7. And when you got it, say amen. 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 Let's go to prayer. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this house. Father, we thank you that you desire to give good gifts to your children. And, Lord, I just submit myself before you for you to help me find the right words, Father, and that your heart would be released and that this is a house of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to let you know, as Sandra was sharing about the waterfall and the love of God falling, at the same time, the Lord began to show me a river of healing flowing through the altar. I want to let you know, the Lord, the Lord uses Janique and I in healing and deliverance. I mean, that's probably the, the greatest thing that he uses us in. And we're, we're so grateful because it's, it's never anything of us. Like, we couldn't heal a hummingbird. It has to be Jesus and him alone. And I want to let you know, tonight's going to be a night of healing. So whatever you have lift it up before the Lord and you don't even have to wait for us to lay hands or the altar ministry to lay hands on you. The Lord can heal you through his word because there was a a testimony in the word where a servant came to Jesus and said, if you just send the word, all you have to do is send the word. And by the word of the Lord, that's how we're healed. He sends the word. So I want you to lift up your faith tonight, no matter if there's strongholds of depression or anxiety or condemnation or shame or guilt, whatever it is, if you're living in sin, just lift it before the Lord, because tonight is a night for breakthrough and healing. Amen. Amen. So before I get in the text, I want to share my testimony with you. I want to share with you how the blood of Jesus was working in my life before my birth. (laughs) The blood of Jesus is active in your life, even before the foundations of the world. Amen. Amen. The greatest weapon that a believer has against the kingdom of darkness is the blood of Jesus. It is the reason why the kingdom of God can manifest in the earth is because the shed blood of the blameless lamb of God. The blood of Jesus was active in my life before my birth. My mother was pregnant at 39 years old with me. I was not planned. She was above age. (laughs) And I had family members actually tell my mother to get an abortion. I had the doctors tell my mother to abort me, that I would be mentally handicapped at birth, and I know that's probably still to be determined. (laughs) But the devil was after me before my birth. I had family members tell my mother that. Every time my mother had a contraction at the day of my birth, my heart would actually stop. So they had to do an emergency C-section. And then at the age of 13, I experienced an accident on my throat. I was at school and me and a kid was horse playing it turned into a fight. And as I began to walk away, he shoved me from the back. I tripped over a backpack and I fell throat first on a corner of a picnic table. What happened then was it dislodged one of my vocal cords. It totally crushed my larynx, and I'm going to butcher this, my sarcophagus. (laughs) You can tell I'm not a doctor. But it crushed everything here. They emergency flew me to All Children's Hospital in St. Pete, where I went through emergency surgery. I had an emergency tracheotomy. The doctors looked at my parents and said I would never speak again or I would never be able to breathe on my own without a trach. When I came out of the the surgery, now I don't remember this. It was, I guess, an hour after or whatever. They allowed my parents to go into the recovery room and visit me coming out of surgery. They said that the injury was so horrific and so bad, they removed so much blood and had to reconstruct my throat. They said the only time they had actually seen that injury was when somebody tried to hang themselves and broke their neck. But as I'm coming out of anesthesia, again, I don't remember any of this. Apparently, I looked at my parents and how I was able to talk, I don't know, but it was in a very raspy voice. But I said these words to my parents, God set me back because I have something to do. Now, I didn't grow up in church. I don't know that language. My parents are freaked out. They were like, yeah, whatever. We're glad you're alive, I'm sure. But it checked him. But that was not the moment that the Lord began to to woo me to him, but that was an incident where Satan tried to take my life and where the blood of Jesus was active without me even knowing. It was a long road of of recovery with my throat, but apparently now you can see that I can talk. And I have absolutely no problem with my breathing, praise God. And to him be the glory for that. I would love to say that I began to serve God at 13, but that's just not the truth. At age 14, my parents split up and I moved with my dad to Maine. We had a rough a rough time up north. At 14 years old was a tender age for your parents splitting up, I was filled with so much bitterness, resentment, I actually blamed myself for my parents splitting up because I thought that the stress of my accident was so much stress on their relationship. And I felt like the reason why they didn't love each other is because of me. So I had a lot of of rage building up. So at 14, I went up there with my dad. We actually drove to Maine in a Geo Metro with no heat in the middle of winter. We slept, you know, some time in the actual Geo Metro, covered up in a sleeping bag until my aunt took me in. My aunt, Bonnie, God bless her, she really began to minister healing. She wasn't a godly woman as far as being filled with the Spirit and knowing Jesus as a personal Savior, but she began to minister that healing to me as a young man that was so broken and so lost. And then... Within that year, she actually died suddenly, 15 minutes after a card game we played. So I I suffered a lot of trauma, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment. I had a lot of abandonment issues, and the war in my mind had started. I began to have violent outbursts. I had violent fits of rage, and it got to the point where my dad couldn't even handle me, and he had to send me back to Florida with my mother. At age 16, I started high school. Within three months, I was kicked out. They actually told my mother that I was the worst kid to ever go into Soto County School. They said that I would actually spend the rest of my high school years in what they called the special behavior program. So I decided that wasn't for me, and I dropped out of school. I got a job working construction. I worked that job for a little while, which I ended up losing, which actually drove me into the street life. By 16, I was involved with a gang. I was heavily involved with gang violence. I was heavily involved with drugs, alcohol abuse, and sexual immorality. I was down a road that was marked with just darkness. And it fueled the darkness and the storm that was actually raging within me. At age 18, I felt like God really intervened. And what he did is he put the sport of boxing in my life. My first amateur fight, I lost because I got gassed, not because he was better. <laughs> it's funny how God will actually use your pride and arrogance for the good because I had so much pride, so much arrogance, that I decided to stop doing drugs and stop drinking alcohol and just train full time so that I would never get gassed in a fight again. So in this point in my life, I got around a trainer that just wanted me to work out. He seen, he actually took me under his wing. I'll never forget Trampus, and that's his real name. That's a joke, it's really his name though. (laughs) Yeah, we had fun with that. But he began to take me under my wing because he actually seen the trouble that I was heading down. He seen the people that I was hanging out with. And so I wanted to train seven days a week. I wanted to be the best at what I did. And he made a deal with me. He said, if you want, because I wanted to train on a Sunday. He says, if you want to train on Sunday, he said, I'll open up the gym. But you got to come to church with me. I said, sure. The deal was made. I got to work out seven times a week. I got to go to church. At this point, I'm still involved with the gang life, I'm selling drugs, I'm robbing drug dealers, and I'm training every day and I'm going to church on Sunday. As I'm looking back at it now, God was releasing faith and releasing the word over my life without me even knowing. I was going to church for the wrong reason, but in that moment I heard the gospel. And I didn't respond to the gospel, but the seed was being planted in my heart. The blood of Jesus was active in my life without me even knowing. Looking back at it in the midst of my pride and all my arrogance, Jesus was in hot pursuit for my soul. In early 2009, I got my first Bible. So I got my first Bible, and this is going to sound absolutely terrible, but we were robbing a drug dealer we go into his trunk to steal his speakers and his bible was there. And something came over me. I honest to God, something came over me. I don't know if it was just pride or arrogance, but I was like I'm going to grab that too. And I grabbed his bible. No, I do not no longer have the bible. I didn't give it to somebody, but I did begin to read it. And there was a seed being planted in my life. That's why the song Reckless Love gets me every time because in the midst of my darkness (laughs) and my struggle, my pride and my arrogance, God's love is truly reckless because he walked through the darkness to come plant a seed in my heart. I want you to get a hold of that. Even through the darkness, Even through your struggles, God is still with you. God is still with you. God is trying to get to you. God will walk through the fire. He will walk through the darkness and get his word to you. Speak his word to you and make his presence known to you. That's the gospel. Jesus is the savior of sinners. At this point. In 2009, midway through 2009, I began to do drugs again. I relapsed, even while boxing. And then 2009, December 20th, 2009, my best friend at the time had a shootout with the cops in Fort Myers. And the only reason why I was not sitting in that vehicle was because I was at a boxing tournament. The blood of Jesus was active in my life without me even knowing. He made sure he put things in my life Because God's not bound by time. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows the story. And we know how it ends. God knows your story. He knows from the beginning to the end. And He will place things in your life to have detours. He will put things in your life so you hear His word. And you might not even know it, but He's putting things in your life to make sure that you are kept by the power of His name. If I wasn't at that boxing tournament, I'd have been sitting right there in the vehicle. And you would think that would have woke me up, but it didn't, it drove me further into the streets. By early 2010, I had totally lost control of drug addiction. I stopped boxing. I had the rage of this storm going on inside of me, and I was looking at 30 years of prison. I didn't get caught for all the crime that I actually committed. I was actually arrested for something that I didn't do. But at this point, there was many investigations out on me in that county. But this was the moment that I finally hit rock bottom. After posting bond, I thought it might be wise to get sober. Stop hanging out with the people I was hanging out with. And then I I turned pro because I needed a source of income. And then at the end of 2010, I met that beauty right over there. By February 2011, because she chased me relentlessly, I finally gave in and wanted to date her. (laughs) Everybody in this room knows that was the other way around. But by by the end of February 2011, we were starting dating. After three months, I knew I wanted to marry that woman. God took the rib from Adam and made Eve, and I always say that God gave me my rib back when he gave me Janique. She's truly a gift in my life, and God used her to break that, that vagabond spirit off my life and give me some stability. 2012, December 15th of 2012, we got married. It was one of the happiest days of my life next to getting saved because I get to spend eternity with that beauty over there. She's God's gift and God's grace to my life, and I honor her. So we were going to church a little bit before and a little bit after we got married. But it wasn't anything, there was no real commitment behind it. It was what I call that American dream Christianity. It was just showing up on Sunday being seen and leaving literally just as fast as we walked in. But December 30th of 2012, my life changed forever. We heard this preacher preaching at a funeral, and this Baptist pastor was preaching like he was killing snakes at a funeral. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I was just entertained. I'm going to be honest. I was just entertained because I never heard preaching. At the time, we were going to a Presbyterian church. And nothing against Presbyterians whatsoever. But we were going there. It was like a social club. We'd show up. We'd leave. We got married there. There was no fire of the gospel. There was no real commitment to Jesus. There was no repentance of sin. No conviction of the spirit. There was no, it was a form of godliness but denied the power. So two weeks after we get married... We hear this Baptist pastor preaching at a funeral, and we decide that we're going to go the next week. We're going to go to this guy's church. I wake up Sunday morning with a hangover, and I decided, you know what, I don't want to go. I just want to sit on the couch and play video games. So then my wife is ready before me. So there, I should have known that day was going to be full of miracles. Long story made short, she gets me off the couch and we go. And that Baptist pastor preached on Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22, about being lukewarm. And for the first time in my life, God broke the hardness off my heart. The weight of conviction... That I was experienced at that little Baptist church, trembling in the seat. My wife looking at me, I don't know if she really knew what was going on, but something was happening to her husband. I was trembling in the seat. And then he began to preach about Rocky, about not giving up and continuing the fight But man, he hit so hard about being lukewarm, about being either hot or cold for Jesus, about either you got to be either in or out and that you can't be in the middle because if you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. And at that moment, I felt the conviction of the spirit for the first time. He gave the altar call and I ran to the altar because of the fear of going to hell. But I was met at that altar by the father's perfect love. I didn't have anybody lead me through a sinner's prayer, and I'm not against that. We have to believe with our heart and confess with our mouth. I believe in that, but I got on my face before the Lord all by myself with him. and It was just me and Jesus. And I began to plead out to God saying, if you are truly the savior, save me from my sins. And at that moment, all the condemnation, all of the guilt, all of the shame, the rage that was raging inside of me was quenched for the first time in 22 years. And the Lord broke through that day. It's the power of the gospel. It's through the name of Jesus that a dead heart can come alive. I got up, changed. I went back to my seat. I didn't shout out to anybody. I don't know why, and for a long time, the devil used to beat me up about that, but I just prove it by my lifestyle now. You know, we wanna shout that we get saved, and that's awesome, you need to tell everybody. But I got in that vehicle with my wife, and we're driving back, And I don't know what was going on in her head, but she knew something happened to her husband. And I looked at her and said, I am done with alcohol. I am done living a lukewarm life. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm really going to live this life for Jesus. My wife had to relearn her husband. Her husband went from this drunk, this violent person, this guy that cussed, wanted to party and stay out late, to wanting to be at home in his room with his Bible, spending time with Jesus. It was a total turn. I was totally delivered. And don't get me wrong, there were some deliverances along the way. That I will share. But that moment, my life changed because of the gospel. Because somebody preached the uncompromising gospel. The true grace of God that sets you free from sin. Now, Janique's returned back to the Lord. She's recommitted her life to the Lord and we're serving the Lord in, in the ministry together. She had to relearn me, but it worked out for the best. In all those years of rebellion and lost time, the Lord has redeemed. I have no felonies on my record. Radically delivered from drug and alcohol. Radically delivered from pornography and sexual immorality. I want to tell you about that story right quick. I'm going to go off track. But when I got delivered from pornography, I struggled with porn as a Christian. I I was in a Baptist church. I didn't know anything about deliverance. I didn't know anything really about demons being inside of people. But I had a struggle. I really had a struggle. I would actually fight with my wife when she would leave me home alone because I knew that it was wrong to get on that computer, but I had no strength. But there was a day when I finally got so fed up that I just got before the Lord and I didn't see Jesus. But I felt the presence when he walked in that room, and I felt his hand as he reached deep down inside of me, and he ripped that critter from my soul. I was changed. I was set free from sexual immorality and pornography, and he'll do the same for you. He delivered me. From abandonment issues, he gave me the adoption to where my spirit bears witness with his spirit. And now my spirit cries out, Abba, Father. That hole that was in my heart, that storm that was raging within me was completely finished. And I had the peace of Jesus. I had the joy of the Holy Ghost. I had eternity marked and stamped on my heart. I got my GED. I have a bachelor's of science degree from Southeastern University in ministerial leadership. The Lord redeemed that time. And it was all because of the blood of Jesus. And now I'm here. (laughs) Revelation 12, verse 7. You guys there? I shared my testimony with you because... Your testimony is actually prophecy of what the Lord will do again in somebody else's heart. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of Jesus is active in your life even before birth, even before you do it. And it's active now. The same blood that saved you is the same blood that keeps you. You guys there? And war broke out in heaven. Salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who, is accuse, who has accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the end. I'm not going to get into an eschatological timing or debate here, but I truly believe the last hours, not the last days, the last hour's bride will bear the testimony of the resurrection Christ. But I do want to pull out a spiritual principle here from this passage. We are at war. We are in a spiritual war. We're not only in a spiritual war in this country right now over our freedoms, But we're in a spiritual war within our individual lives and our individual assignments that was mandated by God before the foundations of the world. Satan is a deceiver, but he's defeated. His only power that he has is deception. If he can trick you into you not tapping in your, into your inheritance, he makes the believer ineffective. But if the believer knows about the blood of Jesus and the power of the word of his testimony or her testimony and the promises and the inheritance that the believer has through the resurrected Christ, Satan is defeated and rendered ineffective. The problem in an American church is so many believers don't know their rights. They don't know their inheritance. They don't know who they are in the Lord. They don't know that the power that they have within them, the same spirit that raised Christ from the the grave, lives in a believer. You have the most powerful weapon on planet earth living within you. There was a war that broke out in heaven and spilled and manifested in the earth. And that is what we see now. But notice what John also seen. He's seen Satan get cast out. He's seen the war break out. But he also seen the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ now. Did you know the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ is in the earth right now? It is what's restraining the force of total lawlessness. The legislative branches of heaven is still in the earth. The ecclesia, God's special weapon against the devil, is his people. He doesn't do anything in the earth unless he uses his people. We have two weapons in our arsenal. And when they're used together, it brings destruction on the kingdom of darkness. That is the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. That word, overcome, literally means conquer. So we conquer Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. When we testify of what the blood of Jesus has done in our lives, it creates hope in the life of others. Your story may not be my story, but our story is his story. And it testifies of the resurrection power that is in the blood of Jesus. I want you to grab a hold of that first part. When we testify of the blood of Jesus and what it has done in our lives, what that does, it creates hope in the lives of others. It's a seed of faith. It's what the Lord has done in in your individual life. And what the Lord has done in your individual life, the Lord will surely reciprocate that in somebody else's. The Lord excels in healing. The Lord excels in delivering. The Lord excels in saving and redeeming and transforming. He is the God who saves. When we testify of what the blood of Jesus has done in the spirit and how it has defeated the kingdom of darkness, it shifts and transforms communities, cities, regions, and even nations. It's the testimony of the blood. It's the testimony of the power of the blood of Jesus. Where there is testimony on the power of Jesus, it actually transforms the spiritual atmosphere and creates an environment where the impossible becomes possible. The testimony of the Lord Jesus actually opens up heavenly portals where the miracles can reign from heaven. There is a storehouse in the deep stored up for the saints. And if we could just tap in, if we could just go beyond the veil, that which separates us, come on somebody, Hebrews 9. He says we go into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. He rent the veil from top to bottom that we may enter in, that we can enter in with boldness. It's the testimony of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus Because of the blood of Jesus, the kingdom of God can manifest in the earth. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, the kingdom of God wouldn't manifest. He was the reason why the kingdom of God had come to the earth. It came through the resurrected Messiah. He came for the sole purpose to reveal the kingdom of God to God's people. And to redeem what Satan had stolen. Look at the testimony of of Peter in Acts 10 verse 38. Now, when we go through these stories, when we go through these testimonies, I want to, I want to relay this, this revelation that the Lord gave me that helped me with the word of God. In this book, it's not just words on the page. They're not just fictional stories. They're not high dramas. They're not fairy tales. These are actual testimonies of what the Lord did. These are actual testimonies of what the Lord did and what he continues to do. Because Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Peter says in in his testimony to Cornelius in Acts 10 verse 38, he said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. First John 4:17 says as he is so are we in this world. Jesus passed that ministry on to his ecclesia that we can go about doing good, healing every person of their diseases and setting the captive free. Thank you Mark. You read my mind. He's operating in prophecy right now. You guys are one. He went about doing good. Look what Peter says: "We are witnesses of these things." What's Peter doing? He's telling his testimony. He's preaching the gospel. He's he's sharing his testimony. This is a man who walked with the flesh and blood of the Son of God, who watched his miracles, who experienced the anointing. This is the man who actually did the same works that Jesus did. He said how he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed hanging on a tree. Him, God raised up the third day and showed him openly. That's the gospel. He resurrected. Listen, if Jesus didn't resurrect the third day, we might as well go home. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. There's resurrection in the power of the blood of Jesus. Not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before God. Even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people. And look what he says. And to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be ju- the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness witness, testimony, testify, preach, that through his name, whoever believes in him will have remission of sins. Now we know the rest of the story. As he's preaching and as he's testifying, the Holy Spirit falls on Cornelius and it showed the Jewish people of that time that God desired to pour out the gift of the Holy Ghost on Gentiles, that God had actually ordained through the resurrected Messiah that Jews and Greeks and all the nations alike would, can come and experience salvation through the resurrection, Jesus, resurrection of Jesus. Mark 5. Verse 25, we know this story very well. It's the woman who had the issue of blood. It said now in verse 25, now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years had suffered many things from many physicians and she had spent all that she had, it was no better, but actually grew worse. Look at verse 27, but when she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she said if i may touch his clothes i shall be made well and immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that affliction what drove this woman to risk her life and press through the crowd To touch the one, the eternal son of God. To touch the clothes that was leaking out the healing anointing. She touched his hem and she was instantly healed. What brought her to that moment? She heard about Jesus. Somebody testified of the miracles. Somebody testified of the healings. Somebody testified of what they experienced. Somebody testified of what they seen. That's what God's desiring for us to do in 2021. He wants us to go outside these four walls and testify of what we've seen, testify of what we've experienced, testify of the resurrection power that is in the blood of Jesus. Mark 5, I'm sorry, Mark 3, 7 through 11. But Jesus withdrew. With his disciples to the sea, and great multitudes from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and Jerusalem, and Idemiah, and beyond the Jordan, those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude. And when they heard how many things he was doing, they came to him. And when they heard. Can I tell you there's still a multitude following Jesus today? The world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket, and it surely is. But I want to tell you, there's a remnant rising up that is ready to testify of the blood of Jesus. They heard. They heard about the blood of Jesus. They heard and which caused them to come. And when they came, they encountered. There's a world out there. Sarasota is ready for victory to go down Main Street and testify of the blood of Jesus. They're ready to hear about the resurrection of Christ. They're ready to hear about the power of the forgiveness of sins. They're ready to hear about the miracle working power, about the deliverance that sets them free. To stop the storm that's raging within them. Only Jesus can do that. Only the Lord can do that. So he got in a small boat with his disciples. Well, he told his disciples there should be a small boat ready for him because the multitude, lest they should crush him. For he healed many, so that as many had, many had afflictions pressed about him, touched him. They were pressing to touch Jesus. They didn't even know, but they were pressing to touch the blood. They were pressing to touch the flesh and blood of the eternal Son of God because they heard about the miracles. They seen the miracles. There was faith that was activated in their heart. God was wooing him to himself to redeem him, to redeem them. They heard about it, they experienced it, and they pressed through. They pressed through. It didn't matter what came up, they pressed through. It didn't matter who got in the way, they pressed through. There was nothing that stopped them from pressing through. There was a hunger. You truly can't be set free until there's a hunger within yourself that you want to be set free. There's many in this last hour that want to be set free from the symptoms, but they don't want the work. They don't want the commitment. They don't want to be fully on, fully surrendered to the Lord. They just want relief from the symptoms. But you got to be like these believers, and you got to press through for your miracle. You have to press through the rage. You have to press through the doubt. You have to press through the timing. If anything's taught us about timing, it's 2020. I love verse 11. In the unclean spirits, wherever he saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. That's probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Because even the devil has to bow his his name to Jesus. If you're struggling with pornography in this room, I want to let you know Jesus wants to set you free. If you're struggling with condemnation and shame, Jesus wants to set you free. If you're struggling with some type of addiction, Jesus wants to set you free. He is the master of setting people free. He is the one who sets the captive free. Come on. Look at Mark 10 with blind Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Now, when he came to Jericho... As he went out of Jericho with his disciples a great mu- and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. Verse 47, check this out. And when he heard, there's another key phrase. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, can't even talk, Lord. Jesus of Nazareth He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. He was hungry to be set free. Let me tell you something. The religious in this hour will tell you, be quiet. You're being too radical. But Jesus is saying all the more, get loud, cry out to me. I will set you free. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. Verse 50, and this is so, this is so important to catch hold of this story. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Many in, in here, I'm sure, know that when he threw aside his garment, that was a special garment that, that the religious authorities gave him, that identified him as disabled and a beggar. That he wasn't just panhandling, but he threw it off, his identity given by man, to be identified with Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what, what do you want me to do for you? I used to read that and be like, Jesus, that'll make no sense. He's blind. Why would you ask him that? But he wanted him to state his case. Like I said, Jesus wants you hungry for your deliverance. He said, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbinai, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. He broke agreement with his condition. He broke agreement with his condition. It's not your diabetes. God didn't give that to you. It's not your illness. God didn't give that to you. It's not your stronghold. God didn't give that to you. You have to break agreement. The blood of Jesus breaks the agreement. Remember, these are not just fairy tales, these are not just stories. These are actual testimonies of people being set free from Jesus. Jesus is the one who sets the captive free, He still does it today. He broke agreement. My wife and I, we ministered in Indiana in Kokomo, this charismatic Baptist church. And it just seemed like this place was a hot spot for miracles and healings. This woman came in one night and her grandmother introduced me. And She said, yes, this is my, da- my granddaughter with MS. And I said, well, it's nice to meet you, granddaughter with MS. And she's like, I know. I don't know why she does that. She came in on a cane, barely could walk, needed help to her seat. But I thought about blind Bartimaeus in this moment. And I began to get a word of knowledge through preach when I was preaching. And all of a sudden, I seen this woman just break down. She was sitting about the third row on the left side of, well, my right. Right side over here. And she just broke down. She was weeping. And I kept getting this word of knowledge that somebody's right leg was on fire. And I said, if that's you, you need to agree with that. Something's happening. I don't know what it is. Something's happening. But I've seen this woman stand up. Now, she walked in with a cane. She couldn't walk barely to her seat. She stood up and without a cane. So I'm trying to keep it together. And I see her stand up. And then I see her walk out to the back of the foyer. And at this moment, I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, what are you doing And my knees are trembling because I already knew she had a miracle. And then I see her in the foyer walking back and forth, testing it, making sure she comes back into that place weeping. She puts her cane on the altar. What did she do? What did she do? She broke agreement with her condition and she identified with Jesus. You need to break the agreement with your condition and identify with Jesus. That place went nuts. This is a charismatic Baptist church. I lost total control. Sermon out the window. People are running up. And as they're running up, they're getting healed. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. We watch people walk out with hearing aids. Elderly. that was just aging and going deaf, walk out with hearing aids in their pocket because they could hear. We've seen blind eyes open. We've seen Jesus heal people of cancer in their blood. We've seen tumors fall off. We've seen even people getting healed of arthritis, pain leaving. Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. I got a word of knowledge during worship about somebody, or maybe you have to stand in proxy, or maybe it's you, of cystic fibrosis. Maybe it's the whole respiratory system. But I want to let you know tonight's your night. If it's online, tonight's your night. If it's you you in here, tonight's your night. I feel like it's the whole respiratory system. If it's Lois, Lois, we speak life over your respiratory system. Right now in Jesus' name. Colossians one chapter one verse twelve. In the middle of Paul's prayer for the Colossians, Paul begins to testify about his own experience. He says, "Given thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light." Friends, beloved. You have an inheritance laid up before you. John Hamill came here and he talked about us crossing over the Jordan. That was a word for this house. That was a word for this house. That was a word for individuals in this house that you are crossing over. You're coming out of that wilderness experience and you're crossing over. Victory is crossing over the Jordan. And I'm going to tell you what's in store, and that's revival and awakening. It's people getting set free in Sarasota. It's seeing things that we've never seen with our eyes. It's watching Jesus take His inheritance in the saints. We have an inheritance laid up before us, and it was bought by the precious blood of Jesus. Verse 13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. That word deliverance in the Greek means to draw out with force or violence. To drag, pull. Or, and it means to deliver out or draw out of danger and calamity. And to liberate us and translate us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He delivers you. Let me tell you something. Jesus gets violent about his bride. Jesus is jealous and he is zealous for his bride. He is a good bridegroom. And let me tell you something. He doesn't take it lightly when somebody insults his bride. He doesn't take it lightly when Satan tries to defile his bride. Husbands in this room, if another man tried to defile your woman, you would walk through hell and fire to get to that man. And I want to let you know that Jesus will walk through hell and fire and darkness and whatever stands in the way to redeem his bride. That word, deliver, the violent act of delivering, of snatching one, on, one out in violence. Jesus gets spiritual violent about his people. In the secular Greek, it means about a master redeeming his slave. Ransom, bought with a price, or breaking the yoke of the foreigner off the people. That's captivity. Jesus has delivered us. He has delivered us. He has violently taken us out of darkness and placed us in the kingdom of light. He has delivered you. And when that heart and head makes the connection, There is an inheritance laid up. There is blessing laid up. There is salvation laid up. The people that you have been praying for for so long and have been just laboring for their salvation, that inheritance, that inheritance laid up for you also falls on your household. Think about it. The guard. He got saved after Paul and Silas sang in prison, and they had an earthquake experience, right? The Bible says that he went back to the house. but Paul and Silas accompanied him. He preached the gospel, and it says the whole household got saved. Let me tell you what's going to happen in this next awakening, this next revival. We're going to see whole generations get saved. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption. That means a release secured by the payment of a ransom, deliverance, and set free. That's the word that means that you are getting set free and broke the yoke of the foreigner off your life. The yoke that Satan placed on you has been broken by the blood of Jesus. It was paid for. Jesus paid for. The blood of Jesus is not like pennies and nickels. The blood of Jesus is unperishable gold refined by the fire. The blood of Jesus has bought your salvation. Salvation isn't just fire insurance. Salvation is not just a one-way ticket to heaven in the rapture. Salvation is being totally set free in your body, in your soul, and in your spirit. Salvation starts the moment that you meet Jesus. Salvation starts here. It starts now. Just like John said in Revelation, now the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. When you give your life to Jesus, now the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ has come into your life. Just a couple verses over in verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things by him. Whether things on earth or in heaven. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Having made peace. I'm speaking about peace from a personal experience. Of being a young man. So bottled up with anger. Violent outburst. I was a very violent individual. I hated to be hugged. That's why I hug so much now. Because it was the kingdom of the son of his love. I want you to catch that. The kingdom of the son of his love. When you get set on fire by the Lord, there's a love. And I'm not talking about that greasy love that's being preached in 90% of American churches. That false love, that false grace. I'm talking about a real love. A love that contends. A love that breaks the hardness off a sinner's heart. A love that delivers from every demonic stronghold. It's the love of the Father expressed through His Son. Delivered to the saints as an inheritance. And when you come out of darkness, you're standing in His light. And what that means is you're beginning to see as the Father sees you. The kingdom of the Son of His love. The light. When you stand in the Father's light, you're standing in the blood of Jesus. He no longer sees that dead you. He no longer sees that old you. He doesn't see you as a sinner. He sees you as a saint. He sees you as somebody who His Son has redeemed. When you stand in the light, there is full revelation of who you are. Your mind is transferred. Transferred. Payment transferred to your mind. It cleanses your conscience from dead works that you may serve the living God. It has to come from the blood of Jesus. Cody, I'm about to land. Probably could have had a better transition, but we'll work on that. We'll get it right next week, I promise. I'll give you a wink. having made peace from the blood of his cross. I never want to get hardened about a salvation message. When I was preparing this Friday night, just writing out my testimony, trying to, trying to pick what to say and try to discern what, what could I relay And as I began to list all the things that the Lord has done in my life, the patience, the kindness, the love, the perseverance (laughs) that Jesus had with me, I thought about the goodness of the Father. I began to think about my own experiences like they were fresh. And it ignited a fire in my heart. It began to tenderize my heart. I never want to get hardened And think about the salvation message as just, this is just a salvation. Yeah, we know how to get saved, but you need to recount the wonderful works of God in your life because they add the fuel to your fire. They'll keep your fire burning. That's a message of this house, right? Keep the fire burning. PB says it all the time, but I'm going to tell you, when you catch that revelation of keeping the fire burning, it's recounting all the wonderful works that God did in your life. It's recounting all the past victories, all the past mistakes, that you made, that He had redeemed, and grace caught you up in time. As I began to recount all the wonderful works of the Lord in my life, I just began to weep. And I don't say that to sound spiritual, I don't say that to boast or want you to think I walk on some cloud or another, but it tenderized my heart and it humbled me because I realized that I experienced something that I couldn't achieve. I was a drug-doing, women-abusing, violent person that should have never had salvation. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve healing. I didn't deserve deliverance. But the Lord, He's seen me, and He counted me worthy to escape the fire of His judgment. And instead, He gave me the fire of His love. I just weeped. I thought about all the goodness, all the striving to enter in. And the Lord was just like, son, just abide. Abide takes action. Abide doesn't take striving. Abide takes action. I weeped before the Lord as he began to tenderize my heart as I began to think how He healed my throat. As a young man, 13 years old, should have been dead, life flighted. The last thing that I remember of that accident was actually going to sleep on a helicopter as the sun was setting looking at the Skyway Bridge and then waking up after surgery. I recount the wonderful works of God in my life. Remember. Your testimony of what the blood of Jesus has done in your life will create hope in the lives of others. I think about the doctor saying I'd never talk again. I think about, the, about Satan trying to prematurely abort my God-given mission in this life. I think about how the Lord restored me and took all those broken and wasted years And he caught me up and gave me sevenfold. I think about all the trials, the tribulations, and I'm like Paul now. I look back at him, even as a young man. I look back at him and I'm like, God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you kept me through it all. There's healing in the blood of Jesus. That woman that pressed through the crowds, it's not a fairy tale, it's a real account. The multitudes pressing, following, going days without eating or drinking, walking miles and miles to press and to touch. That's not a fairy tale, that's a real account. Blind Bartimaeus, Breaking the agreement of what society had placed on him. Refusing the money as a beggar to be identified. Let me tell you something. They looked at Jesus as a heretic then. That's not a fairy tale. That's a real account. As you're thinking about all the accounts in your life, there's many of you. I can see it on your faces now as the Lord's bringing up to your remembrance. Those were real victories. The Lord really did that. Maybe you're in here and you have the storm raging inside of you right now. And you're beginning to think or beginning to realize that that empty hole within your heart, only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can fill that void. Only Jesus can truly give you joy that is sustainable, that stays with you. With every head bowed, if that's you, If you've never experienced the love of the Father, let me tell you something. Church, it didn't save me. Men's programs and formulas, it didn't heal my throat. This false grace and a false love that's preached, it didn't deliver me from demons. It was an encounter with the living Christ and his shed blood. Your story may not be my story, but it's His story. If you've never tasted the love of the Father, I want you to just begin to press in like the multitudes. That pressure that's in your chest right now, that's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I ran to that altar out of fear of going to hell, but I want to tell you what I was met by. Perfect love. If you've never gave your life to Jesus, or you maybe gave your life to Him as a child, but you've lost your way, All you have to do is change your mind. Turn around. Make the U-turn in your spiritual GPS. If you've never experienced the love of the Father, it's here for you, beloved. It's not God's will that any man should perish, but all taste of the heavenly gift of salvation. If that's you, I want you to stick up your hand. Altar team, will you get ready? The woman that raised her hand, will you come down here? Can I get two ladies from the altar team to pray with her?
1: Some people, when I first came here, I did have a foul spirit. I don't want to apologize. I know. God showed me that I said some things to some people here. But what happened was I came from Ohio and I had a husband that didn't want me. I tried for 21 years. I left my son when he was 19 with his father because I knew he was going to have a better life. Because we were raised to worship God. And my husband said to me, well, you're supposed to worship your children. So I knew that if I left the boy with his father... His father would take good care of him and buy him a car and send him to college, and he did. So I got to see the boy four times since 2019. But God brought me back here to a really nice church called Faith Life, but he also showed me victory. But what helped me when I got here was God showed me that foul spirit, and he said, I'm gonna heal you in victory. And one by one, day by day, person by person, I just want to say I love you and I'm sorry. And I'm here tonight to get cleansed. And I'm going to ask God for a new heart tonight. Does that make sense?
0: It makes sense. Amen. Man, give your sister a round of applause. (laughs) Altar team, will you please accompany me? Beloveds, I watched a man get his bicep reattached. His muscle had totally shredded off his arm, and I watched Jesus heal this man and reattach his bicep as if nothing ever happened. And I didn't even really preach on healing. I preached on fresh fire. But as I told you, there was a river flowing through this altar. And it's a river of healing. This is a church of His presence. And in His presence, there's healing. There's deliverance. It's getting the captive set free. Stand to your feet. If you were that person that knows somebody with cystic fibrosis, or you have cystic fibrosis, or if you have a respiratory issue, I want you to come find one of them and pray with them. Tonight is your night. Tonight is your night for healing. If you need healing in your body, tonight is your night. Why? Because it is the testimony of the power of the blood of Jesus, and the Lord's presence is in this room right now. The blood of jesus shifts the atmosphere where the impossible becomes possible lord i just declare your word in this altar i come into agreement right now and i declare this altar the threshing floor of the lord i declare this altar the river of the healing of the lord where signs and wonders will happen because of the testimony of the resurrected Christ, Jesus. The healer is in this room. The healer is in this room. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage and the healer is in this room If you need inner healing, tonight is your night. Just begin to make your way to the front. Just begin to make your way to the front if it's inner healing, if it's physical healing, if you need a healing in your mind, if you need a healing in your heart, if you need a healing in your body. Tonight is the night. There is nothing. There is nothing too hard for our God. It is the power of the blood of Jesus. It is the power of the resurrected Christ. Lord, take your inheritance. Take your inheritance, Lord.